When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 152 of the Sustainable Minimalists podcast. On today's show, we are getting organized once and for all by first understanding our unique organizing styles. Now, I remember the moment when I first realized that organizing my home didn't have to happen the way professional organizers tend to advocate for. Before decluttering my home, I really did struggle to stay organized. And while my house appeared clean, It became apparent every time someone opened a closet or a drawer or a cabinet that my house was actually kind of a hot mess. And while my mess was contained and hidden, it was still a mess. Now, that's not to say I didn't try to stay organized. I certainly aspired to be an organized human, but I didn't have the time or the motivation to separate the AA batteries from the AAA ones, let's say. And my mittens, my hats, my scarves, well, they all resided in the same basket because, hello, it's all winter gear. (laughs) While storing my stuff out of sight in closets and bins wasn't perfect by professional organizing standards, for me, it was good enough. My guest this week is here to argue that many personalities, like mine, are best suited to a macro-organizing approach as opposed to the approach we see on TV, on YouTube, and in organizing stores, which of course is a micro one. Today, I bring you a conversation with Cassandra Arson. Cass is a self-described former slob, and she's also the founder of the Clutterbug Organizing Philosophy. My hope is that if you struggle to stay organized, Cass will give you both the permission as well as those solid tips, tricks, and strategies to organize your way once and for all. Enjoy the interview. Cass, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am really excited to pick your brain about all things organized and organizing because (laughs) it's something I still continue to struggle with even as a minimalist. For anybody who doesn't know who you are and what you do, introduce yourself. I'm Cass from Clutterbug. This sounds so weird to say that I'm from Clutterbug. I I am not an organized person naturally. I am a struggling, recovering super slob, and I have three kids, and 
I was just living a life drowning in clutter, drowning in stuff, kind of stuck on this hamster wheel until I started getting organized until I started, it sounds really simple, but putting my things into baskets, using labels. Um, it was almost overnight life-changing experience. And I started helping friends and family and then clients. And then I started doing a YouTube channel. And then all of a sudden, before I knew it, I'm running this business, helping people all over the world get organized, which is called Clutterbug, helping them identify their organizing style. And it still feels very surreal to me. It, it just really does. So, so that's a little bit of me in a nutshell, I guess. Well, I have been following Clutterbug for quite some time, and so it's an honor to talk to you. But I really want to ask you, you know, everybody likes to be organized. It's a great feeling when you're organized and you can find what you're looking for and your organization systems are working. Talk to me about the moment when organizing was less of something you did in your own home and it pivoted and shifted into more of a career. So. It was really this slow, organic thing that kind of became a hobby. It, it was a hobby in the beginning. I was struggling to get organized myself, and then I discovered I didn't have to do it the way you're supposed to do it. I'm using air quotes, which you can't see, but I didn't have to use filing cabinets, and I didn't have to use detailed systems, and I didn't have to put things away in lids and tiny containers. I could macro sort, and as soon as I discovered the power of organizing with a less organized approach. I call it a macro organizing approach. I contacted all of my friends and family who were like me, sort of chronically messy, and was like, listen, I have this system and it's incredible and let's organize using this new this new way of organizing. And they started telling their friends and family. And at first I was doing it all for free. And then people were like, I'll pay you, I'll pay you. And then I started I was like, you know what? I want to tell even more people. And I use my phone to make a really bad video and put it up on YouTube and a couple other really bad videos, just sharing my excitement with how life-changing it was to finally, finally, after like 30 years of being messy, to have a life that was in order. And before I knew it, I had this following and I had paid clients and it really just... It wasn't like this one moment where it became a career. It was this one moment where I woke up and I was like, I'm I'm making more money doing this hobby than I am at my actual career. And I made the decision to quit running a daycare and to just embrace this passion full time. I love talking to people who step two feet in, jump right into their passion. I find it so inspiring. And I love that you alluded to macro organizing, because that brings me to my first most pressing question that I absolutely cannot <laughs> let you go without asking. Can you ever be too organized, in your opinion? I think you can. Okay. So I don't think you can be too organized. I think you can aspire to be too organized. And so there is a perception out there that organization is this really detailed approach with everything in like beautiful glass jars or lots of matching containers and it, color coordinating everything. And 
And that does work for some people because there are a lot of people out there who their brain works like that. They are micro thinkers. They are really detail-oriented people. For the rest of us, that is so unattainable on a daily basis. We can set it up once, but we're not going to keep that up long term. So I think that's why it's so important to know yourself, to know what type of organizer you are, just innately, just naturally, and set up a system that works to complement that instead of trying to copy and emulate things we see on Pinterest or Instagram or television. Yeah, I think back to before I purged a lot of my (laughs) stuff, I spent an awful lot of time organizing the stuff and then organizing the organization and maintaining the systems I put in place. And it was time consuming, to say the least, not only to first get organized, but then to stay organized in the long term. I have two young kids. And so I feel as though for me personally, a macro organization system works better than a micro one. And I'm wondering whether you find that is the case for a lot of cluttery people, perhaps, cluttery clients. Yeah, I I absolutely. And I think that there's sort of two reasons. One is that you are a bit too detailed of a person. You're a bit of a perfectionist. So you tend to procrastinate until you can do it perfectly. And then you have piles and stuff everywhere. And then there are people who are macro. They're more big picture thinkers. And we're not going to take the time to put things away if it's hard. It just isn't going to happen, even if we have the most beautiful, amazing organizing system set up. And so there are people who want to take the time to put things away in a detailed way right off the bat. And then there are people who don't mind looking for something and taking those few extra seconds to find what they need as long as they can put it away fast. And I definitely am the put away fast person. And I think it sounds like you're the put away fast person too. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you can still be really organized and have a beautiful looking home, but take a less organized approach. Hmm. I love how in your book, you talk about the four different types of clutter bugs. And I'm wondering if without going into too much detail, maybe you could very quickly describe each one. So listeners listening today can really hone in on their personal organization style. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I always called myself a clutter bug. So when I th- discovered that there were four styles, I was like, I have to call them bugs, right? I have to, I have to pick bug names um, to go with this. So a butterfly is a visual organizer. And what that means is it's out of sight, out of mind for them. If they have something in a drawer behind closed doors, if it's hidden out of sight, they honestly totally forget that they have that thing. And so subconsciously, they're leaving things out so they don't forget about it. And I think that's why, and they're also macro organizers. So a butterfly is a big picture thinker. They're not a detailed person. So they're not going to take the time to put something away if it's difficult or hard. It has to be a one-step put-away thing. And because of those two things, they tend to look really messy because they have piles and and stuff everywhere. So they need visual and macro 
quick, easy organizing systems. And then you have a B, which is also a visual organizer. So out of sight, out of mind, really visual, but they're meticulous. They are detail-oriented people. They're perfectionists, a little bit of perfectionists. And so they want things put away in a certain way. They want to be able to find things really, really quickly and know where everything is. And so their organization is really, really micro and really detailed. But because it's like that, they tend to procrastinate until they can set up these dream perfectionist systems. So they have a lot of neat, tidy piles all over. They have a lot of projects on the go all over the place. Um, Then you have a ladybug and a ladybug is like me. So I don't want to see my stuff. I like things to look really minimal. I want things out of sight, but I need fast, easy quick systems, which means all of my drawers, my closets, my spare bedroom, they used to be shoved and and full of things, right? The house would look spotless, but I would hide it in every drawer and under the bed and anywhere I could. And so we need fast, easy, simple systems to stop the clutter from becoming a giant mess in our hidden areas. And last, we have a cricket who is also a hidden organizer. They prefer things out of sight, but they're really detailed, really meticulous you know, sort of perfectionist type people. And this is a traditional organizer. Um, Things put away neat, lots of little jars and drawer dividers and baskets in a closet and everything's sort of perfect. Marie Kondo is 100% a cricket organizer. So they're just naturally born organized people. But again, that perfectionism can lead to procrastination. So it can lead to a lot of piling until later. What I love about your four different types of bugs is that it gives listeners and aspiring, (laughs) organized homeowners the understanding that it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. How many times have we tried to get organized based on, you know, what we see on HGTV or wherever else. And the system that we put in place for ourselves just doesn't work. I would argue, and I think you would too, that the reason it doesn't work is because the system is not aligned with our personality. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Some people just are naturally detailed people. They're they just are natural planners. They are they're the type of people who are going to stop and take the time to file that credit card bill in the visa folder. And then there are people who just are not going to do that. We want to do that. We aspire to do that. But once we're done with something, our brain has already moved on. We we don't think about details. We're more of a big picture thinker. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we can set up systems that sort of complement that. And um, yeah, it doesn't look like traditional organization, but you know where everything is. You can put everything away really fast and your house just stays tidy and organized all the time. And that's what organization is all about. It's not about what it looks like. It's not about any of that. It's about living a life that's easier. Hmm. I am definitely a ladybug. And my, I'm never going to put the credit card statement in the visa folder, but my husband is definitely a cricket. He will take the, well, he won't do it right away. He will let it pile. But then when he gets to it, he's going to put that in the visa file. So I am going to ask you all about whether it is possible, whether it's even possible to live harmoniously with a partner who has a different organizing style than you. And if so, how? (laughs) Right after a quick word from this week's sponsor.
This week's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We are nine months into a global pandemic, and the holidays are just around the corner, so it is no surprise that my stress levels have skyrocketed. That's why I chose BetterHelp for support. BetterHelp assessed my needs and matched me with a licensed professional therapist. From my first session, I could tell my counselor's priority was helping me cope with the demands of motherhood, pandemics, and everything in between. I love that our meetings are done via phone or video, so taking care of me fits within my busy life, and I never have to hire a babysitter or sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. The best part? BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com forward slash minimal. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health by visiting betterhelp.com. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash minimal. Yeah, so it's so funny. My husband's a cricket too, and I'm a ladybug. And it was a real source of sort of tension in our relationship for a long time because I was, for some reason, dealing with the finances. And he'd be like, why is everything not put in the right? It was just crazy pants. And so the general rule of thumb, the clutterbug golden rule is you always default to the macro organizer and the visual organizer. And so it's a lot easier for your husband to have a basket called paid bills that he puts everything into and you go through at tax time than it is to expect you to put the electricity bill in the electricity and the gas in the gas, right? So we always default to the macro approach. And then we always default to the visual organizer because it is a lot easier for a hidden person to have some things out in a beautiful you know, styled way than it is to expect a visual organizer to remember where things are when they're hidden out of sight. And so labels are an amazing way to sort of bridge that gap. When you're labeling things, it's that cue to the visual organizer. Okay, this is where this goes. This is where this stuff is. But you can still have like a beautiful, simple label that appeals to a person who likes visual simplicity. Hmm. There was a time in my life where I loved the container store. I don't even know if you have that where you live, but it's this chain store filled with plastic yes. bins. Okay, so you know it. All right. So it's a store dedicated to containers for organizing, essentially. And I thought at the time that I just needed the right container or the the right basket and my organization clutter problems will be solved. But Sometimes if you misuse these systems, it can actually make a clutter problem worse. How can we use containers effectively to organize our spaces? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not actually a huge fan of the container store. I'm just going to say that right now. Only because you walk in and it is one style, right? It's one organizational style and it's really expensive. And it always, in my experience, adds up to container clutter. You buy a bunch of things. You don't even know how you're going to use it. You just think, "I'm good. this will help me. You come home and you're like, I don't even know where to put this stuff or how to use it. And you just have piles of organizing clutter that add to your clutter pile. So, so the thing that you have to do is you always, I use the SPACE acronym. So first you sort, 
then you purge, then you assign a spot for your things to go, and then you get a container. So getting the container is the last thing that you do in this in the process, but everybody always does it first. And so that's why we end up with like these plastic drawer organizers from Walmart, you know, these three things, and they're filled with junk or um, Rubbermaid totes everywhere, just filled with random things. It's because you really have to first sort purge is so important, letting go, editing what you have, and then picking a home for it. So where are these craft supplies going to live? How much space do you have for them? What's your organizing style now? we can choose a container for those things to go in that complement all of those things. The biggest takeaway that I had from your book was so simple, but when I read it, it knocked me on the side of my head. I was like, why didn't I ever think of this? The takeaway was that it is okay. We have permission, each of us, to move things around if our organization system isn't working. So Can you give me some examples of that? I know in your book, you had a great one about your mother-in-law. Yeah, I think we all do this, right? We move into a house, we unpack, we're tired, people are helping us, and we put things in places. And then it's like, that's where it lives. And so my mother-in-law is very short. She's 5'2". She moved into a home and all the spices went in literally the only cabinet in the kitchen she could reach. That's just where the spices got put away. And she drinks tea and coffee every day, all day long. She had no place for that. So she put that in the bathroom closet. And like six years later, I'm, I'm over at her place and I was like getting a tea and I'm like, why is the tea in the bathroom? And she, and she's like, I don't have any room in my kitchen. So I opened up the cabinet and I was like, this is your valuable. Re- this is the only cabinet you could reach. It's right over your coffee maker in your kettle and it's filled with spices and you've never used a spice in your life. Um, why? And she's like, well, that's where the spices go. And I see this all the time with clients too. Well, that's the glasses cupboard or that's where the paper goes. The, the paper goes in the office, which is on the second floor. So your kitchen counter is always filled with bills. We can move things around. You can have your bill paying station on the kitchen counter. You can throw those spices out or relocate those to the bathroom closet to make room for your, as weird as that is, to make room for your tea and coffee. It's about utilizing your space really efficiently. So what do you use the most often and what's the easiest spot to reach and where is it the closest to where I use it? And that's where those things should live, regardless of where they live now. I feel like a lot of people might be reluctant to move things around, even if they know it's not working. Whatever the item is, it's not working where it is now, but they're reluctant to move things around and change up their years, maybe perhaps decades long habits because they don't want to make a big mess. Maybe that is totally it. You hit the nail on the head. I hear this all the time. I don't want to organize because it makes a big mess. What I always want to say is this is an investment in your time. It is a tango. You are going to do the stuff shuffle, I call from spot to spot to spot. But when you have your house set up efficiently, Every single day, you're going to save time. So you're investing time to get it there, but you're going to save time every single day that you use it. And having a more functional space alleviates stress. You're not going to miss things anymore. But it, for me, it's all about saving that time. It's all about being lazier. And so I, I think 
it's sometimes a shift in mindset from, oh, I have to organize and make a big mess to I'm going to invest time now. So I receive 10 times more time back in the future. Mm, I love that. It's all about <laughs> facilitating the laziness. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I, that, I mean, that's the biggest reason I, I love organizing is so I can be lazier. I don't like cleaning my house. I don't like putting things away. I don't like tidying. And I I don't really have to do those things anymore. And that's magic to me. That's what it's all about. It's how can I have a house that just sort of takes care of itself? And it comes from having less stuff and having the right organizing system. Mm-hmm. Organized living, an organized home is not the end goal. That's not the end goal. The end goal is making your life easier day to day. Absolutely. It totally is. And sometimes I I mean, I look around my house and it doesn't look Pinterest worthy. It doesn't look like you see on the home edit, which I follow and I'm obsessed with them. It doesn't look like that. And so sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm an organizing expert, but man, I, I don't have these pretty images to share. And I just have to remind myself, it's it has nothing to do with that because I'm not going to keep up my clothes color coordinated, you know, and I'm not going to take time to put things away in a really detailed way. It's about not having to pick up after myself or my kids. It's about having a house that just is effortless to maintain um, no matter what the organizing system looks like. Mm. Well, before we go, I wanted to talk to you about Two very specific organizing tricks that you are a proponent of. The first is the home landing strip, and the second is your in and out system. So let's start with the landing strip. Tell us, what is it? Why do we all need one? And how on earth do we go about creating one? So a landing strip is sort of, it's, it's an area of your home as soon as you come in that catches all the stuff that generally ends up is as clutter. So keys and purses and kids' backpacks and incoming mail and uh, paper that your kids bring home from school. So artwork, report cards, all of these things usually end up for most people in a pile in the kitchen counter or the kitchen table or a pile at the front door. It's your coat. It's your shoes. If you take your shoes off when you come in, this can add up to a ton of clutter. So your landing strip is setting up a system to catch all of that right where you come in the door, right where you naturally pile it. And it can be as simple as a few hooks for your kids' backpacks. Yes, you have a closet, but they never put them in there. Um, Install some hooks. Maybe you have a spot in your closet for shoes, but your kids just leave them in the hallway. You just have a simple basket for them to kick their shoes into. If you're a visual organizer, you hang a paper organizer on the wall, like a bulletin board, or I love the magazine rack style that are wire. So you can have a spot for kids' artwork and things that need to be signed and report cards that need to be dealt with as soon as you come in so you don't have those piles of clutter. And everybody's landing strip is going to look different based on your organizing style, but there's a whole bunch like on Pinterest you can search. And I think you know just by looking at inspirational pictures what is going to really fit your family's style. Yeah, and I would also add (laughs) that if you have kids, it's less about looking at the cute stuff on Pinterest that you want to work in your house and more about choosing an organization system, a landing strip 
that are at their developmental level almost. So my children are just not going to put their shoes in one of those rectangular, you know, slide your shoe in organizers. At best, they're going to throw their shoes in their bucket. And yes, I would love it if they, (laughs) you know, hid their shoes in a nicer way. But they're six and three. The bucket is where they're at. And so the bucket works. Yeah. And, and I totally feel you because my oldest is 13 or 14. She just turned 14, 12 and eight. And they're still not going to put their shoes in some fancy organizing system. So we demoed our closet. We, I mean, n- nobody was using it except my cricket husband. And um, we demoed the closet and we just have 10 huge hooks and these cubbies for them to kick their shoes into and baskets for like mittens and stuff like that. And it looks like a hot mess. Honestly, it's like coats and snow pants and everything hung right on the wall when you come in, but it's off the floor. And so I had to sort of let go of this fantasy of what it was going to look like and embrace, okay, what are we going to actually use in this space? Yeah, it's it's almost about lowering your expectations almost. Like certainly nobody wants to necessarily look at snow pants and coats and mittens and gloves and this and that. But if it's off the floor, it's definitely a step in the right direction. Exactly. Yeah. And as a ladybug, I definitely don't want to look at that stuff. Um, but it's a it's a beautiful mudroom and it has lovely hooks. And so it's a real compromise for my visual kids and myself having just a place for it to go that isn't on the floor. And I have like pretty matching baskets way up top up for my things. So we definitely compromise. So uh, it's still visually appealing for me. Hmm. All right. I am obsessed and in love with your in-out system. So talk to me all about it. How did you make it? And <laughs> what problems does it solve for you? So my in-out system has changed so much in the years. It really is just baskets in my entranceway. Um, I love having a console table with some baskets underneath. It's when you come home and you have things that you don't have a place for them to go right now, especially Christmas gifts is a really good example, or something you've borrowed from a friend or something you've purchased, but you just don't want to open it up or build it or put it away or whatever. It's having a spot for those things to go. So that's your in system, things that you have to deal with, um, has a designated home to go. And then your out system are things that need to be returned, library books, things that you've borrowed from a friend that have to go back. This is such a huge source of clutter because it doesn't have a home. It doesn't really belong in your house. Where do you put it until you had the time to take it back out? And so for me, it's simple baskets labeled in and out and I always know where things are, and they're they're still hidden out of sight. Yeah, the library books, the stuff you've borrowed, the toys you borrowed from a friend, they have no home, so they just sit on a counter somewhere until, <laughs> until you could get around to returning them, right? So I love the basket system. I am going to log off and go, <laughs> go set up my own in-out system ASAP. But before we go, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show to offer up your organizing wisdom. Where can my listeners find more of you? So you can go to clutterbug.com and there's a free quiz that you can take that can help you discover your organizing style and lots of free resources on the website too. Thank you so much, Cass. This was really an inspirational talk for me personally and 
I know it's going to help so many of my Clutterbug listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Cassandra Arson over at Clutterbug. I have linked to her in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 152. This week's eco tip is another one from me, and it is if you are in the habit of sending out physical holiday cards, consider purchasing your cards through paper culture. At Paper Culture, all cards are made from 100% post-consumer recycled paper, and even better, every order plants a tree. I have printed my cards through Paper Culture for the past two years now, and I am a very happy, eco-friendly customer. I will see you next week when I bring you a conversation with eco-fashion pioneer Marcy Zaroff about the evolution of sustainable fashion, where it's been, and where the industry is headed. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care, my friends.